Good morning. Welcome to today's devotion. Well, um, yesterday at BTC, Be The Change Church, we started um, talking about uh, the shoes of peace. Um, We finished talking about the sacred and the secular. Um, I would like for you to go back and listen to it, but just to, before we get into the last pieces of armor, I want to talk to you from a place of uh, vanity or uselessness. Have you ever felt like you've been going around in circles? Maybe you may not have been physically going around in circles, but maybe pondering over things over and over again to the place where you couldn't sleep. Maybe you had an interview that you were thinking about or maybe a, a paper that's due, or you have to, your taxes are due. Well, I'm gonna take you through the scripture, but before I do, let's invite the Lord here in this conversation. Lord, we know that you're awesome, Father, and that you see every single thing that we go through. You know our desires. And even though that we try to make plans, we want to change the way that we do things by putting you first. Teach us how to remain at peace and remain at rest when things seem to be overwhelming to us. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want to talk about the word vain. I stumbled on this and I I just want you to listen to this. Vain, um, in terms of the Bible, means useless, excessively high opinions of one's opinions and abilities or the word. Or, I, I need you to catch this, useless. So, The Lord says in Psalms 127, it says um, through um, Solomon, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. In other words, it's useless. Who built it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. I want to stop right there. In other words, I need you to put this in in your mindset. Unless you put God first, you're thinking, you're trying to get the promotion, you're trying to write the paper, you're trying to whatever you put in the blank, you're trying to figure it out. It's useless. Now, I know the Bible says that it's, it's for man. Man attempts to make his plan, but it's the Lord that determines the outcome. Here it is. This echoes in Psalms 127 that it says, unless the Lord builds it, builds the house, that your labor is useless. 
But then it goes on and it says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. In other words, it's useless for you to stay up and toil all night and worry over and over and turn it over in your mind. The advice that Solomon is given is, why don't you put God first and then allow him to determine the outcome? Then it says that it's vain. It's useless for you to rise up early and to retire late to eat the bread of anxious labor, for he gives blessings to his beloved, even in his sleeps. How many of you wrestle with sleeplessness? Sometimes I have that issue. So, uh, one of the nights I was having this issue, so I began to uh, go downstairs and, and talk to the Lord. And he gave me the sums and he says, look, why don't you lay every single th thing down before me that you're dealing with? And why don't you allow me to deal with it instead of you trying to deal with it? See, the problem is sometimes we try to figure things out. And what the Lord is saying is that it's useless for us to attempt to do things. You see, it's the Christ, greatest he that is in us, greatest the Christ that's in us than he that is in, in the world. Greatest the Holy Spirit that's in us. In other words, the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. It doesn't mean that we do all things ourselves and then put Christ in it. We put Christ in it first, and then we'll allow him to determine the outcome. Proverbs 3 and 5 says it. It says that uh, trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding in all our ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our path for some version says version said that he make our crooked path straight so in other words it's not that we don't move it's not that we don't make the plans it's just that we're putting him first we're acknowledging him and then as we're walking along the way he's going to direct our path if we're off course so sometimes if you're anywhere like I used to be, I sometimes go in the path and I had to learn to uh, allow him to get in it at the first thing instead of trying, oh Lord, help me to get out of this. And this is just a different way of thinking as we're wrapping up and talking about having the peace and the armor of God yesterday. So in order for you to have peace, because what the enemy wants us to do is to wrestle with worry and anxiety. That's one of the ways that he can kill us off. That's one of the ways that he can get us off by getting us to rely on our own strength instead of the strength of Jesus. Let me go through this, this last scripture. 
Psalms 121 says that, starting at verse 2, it says that my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Anyone needs the help of God. Isn't he the one that made heaven and earth? So couldn't he make whatever we're going through to, to rest, to lie, and to work it out according to his plan? Couldn't he be the one to help us out of that? It says that he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. In other words, it's us that sleeps because we're tired, we're toying, we're working. But the Lord doesn't, he's not like us. He made us, he created us. So there's no need for the Lord to be sleeping. It says, behold, he keeps Israel will neither sleep, slumber, nor sleep soundly. It says, behold, he keeps Israel and will neither slumber briefly nor sleep soundly. In other words, it's our job to sleep soundly. Um, soundly. It's our job. It's not the Lord's jobs. It's not the Lord. He will not sleep or slum, a slumber. In other words, he keeps us um, from not losing sleep. The Lord, and it says, number verse five, it says, the Lord is our keeper. The Lord is our shade on our right hand. The sun will not strike us by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will guard you going out and coming in. Everything that you do from this time forth and forever. Let's close right there. If you're needing peace on something, I don't know whatever it is that you're going through, you put it in a blank. If you're in need of peace on a situation, peace about what to do, about what you're going through, you're needing peace. Yesterday, we talked about having the gospel a peace, the sure peace to be standfast and firm, standing firm in order to fight the enemy off. Here's the peace. Jesus left us with peace. He said, peace, I leave you and that the world don't understand it. So if you want Jesus peace, one way to have peace is to be assured that Jesus lives inside your heart. That's one of the guarantees ways. But you need to know something. That doesn't mean that you'll never go through something. But Jesus said it like this in John 16, 33. He said, take heart. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I'm going to be here in the midst of your trouble. In other words, in order for you to have peace, he doesn't promise that the trouble is not going to exist, but he's going to promise that he's going to give you peace in the midst of it. And that because you can guarantee you that he's right beside you. So right now, whoever you are, I'm asking you to pray this prayer with me. 
Let's accept Jesus into your heart right now so that you can have peace to go with you throughout your day. Lord Jesus, I need you. And I'm asking that you be my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you died for every single one of my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave. So from this day forward, take total control of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And for you that are a Christian that's struggling with anxiety and anxiousness, let me pray for you as well. Father, for my friends and my family, whatever they're dealing with, remind them that you've already given them peace and allow them to rest easily at night. Allow them to be at peace no matter what the circumstance, no matter what they hear, no matter what the situation is, no matter what happens. Allow them, remind them that you live inside of them and that it's you that's greater, not what they can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you accepted Christ for the first time, if you are listening to this podcast for the first time, or if you're in need of prayer, reach out to me um, um, by any ways that uh, you receive these this podcast. And I would like to simply pray for you and, and even sing your Bible if and even show you ways in which to grow into Christ. Hey, I want to begin to talk to you about your identity is sealed. Let me start by um, with this scenario. How would you feel if knowing where you've grown up, you know who your parents were when you were born, you know the area in which you were born, you know the environment in which you were born, you know for sure your your parents' identity, and you know who raised you. Now, just suppose someone came along and told you that you had to color your hair in order to look more like your parents, change your eye color, maybe even in order for you to get certain things, in order for your parents to love you, that you had to do certain things in order for their approval. How would, how would do you think that would make your parents feel to find out that you did that? How would it make you feel when you find out that the person that actually tricked you into doing this. The goal was to be in your position and to take the inheritance that your parents have set aside for you in order for you to live a peaceful and prosperous life. Well, let me stop right there and let's welcome the Holy Spirit in this conversation as we talk about your identity as sealed. 
Father, I want to thank you, first of all, for using me as your instrument, for speaking to your people, those that would hear this word. May they understand it. May they apply it to their life. May they never struggle again with their identity, but knowing that their identity is sealed in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to go on record in saying, as we were, we're getting deeper into the, uh, making sure that we have the full armor of God. The first, we've been going over the first three pieces of armor, which in order for us to fight spiritual warfare, in order for us to ward out and be victorious over the attacks and defeat the enemy, the first thing that we need to understand is, by way of reminder, is to know the truth. That means the belt of truth is to know what God says on a matter or about you. In this case, we're talking about your identity. So what's important for you to understand what your what God says about you? And number two, as we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, that is to connect your righteousness, not from your own self-importance, the things that you have, the things that you do, but your righteousness is found only through Christ Jesus. It's based on his righteousness. That means there is nothing that you have to do. There is nothing that you can do to earn it. You're in right standing because of what Christ has done, not anything that you can ever do or would ever measure up to that standard. And number three, as I left off, the other day is the the gospel of peace, the shoes of peace. Standing firm on the shoes of peace, which means that when Jesus died, that means that he carried all the shame, the lies in, in which the enemies will tell you the things of your past, all of those things he carried for you on the cross and they died in order for you to have an identity change. So you no longer have to live in crisis, meaning that Christ died in order for you to be free from sins. So your peace is security, is, is assured and reassured based on the gospel, which is your peace. So let me start with the first scripture for today as we talk about your identity is seal. You see, it started out in Genesis chapter one and uh, verse 26. This is what the Lord says. God says, let us, which was, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make man in our own image. 
according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual and moral likeness. Let him have complete authority. Let me stop right there. Did he say, make man in images of the world, in images, in the identity of what you do at work, in the identity of what somebody say you are, how you should look, the color of your skin? Your identity was sealed in Christ. And did he, was the authority that he given you, was it based on how good you are? or what you can do or what you can't do. Right here, it was already secured. As you can see, he says, let them have complete authority over the seed, the birds, the cattle, the creatures. And then it says in verse 27, so he created man in his own image. So that means, and that means that Man didn't create themselves, but God created you. So that means that every human being created was created for a specific purpose. That means their DNA, DNA stars in Christ. That's the truth that we have to base on. Your gender stars in Christ. He says that. He created man in his own image and in the likeness he created him, male and female, he created them. He created, so God is the creator of us, our identity, our gender. And God blessed them, granting them certain authority. So you mean to tell me it's based on this truth? Not any other truth, not our feelings, not our emotions, not our intellect, not anything. So as we go into chapter three of Genesis, we will see the enemy comes in and gets Eve to question what God has done. He gets her to question whether or not she has complete authority. You see, he starts out in verse 5 of chapter 3, for God knows that on the day you eat from, your eyes will be open and you will have great awareness and you will be like God. Wait a minute. I thought in Genesis chapter 1, God had already said he created us in his own likeness. It's just like I said from the, end, uh, the beginning. Suppose the first scenario where the, someone tries to get you to change the hair color, your eye color, to look like your parents when you already came out looking like your parents. But the goal of the enemy is to get you to question and to get you caught up in the emotions into the five senses. Well, so I just showed you what the word of God says. So it's based on that truth. It's based on 
crisis right standing is the next thing that you need to understand that you are sealed. So in order to know that, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9. He says that he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which his purpose in Christ with regard to the fulfillment of times, that is the end of history, the climax of the age, to bring it all things together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. In him also we have received an inheritance, a destiny, which we are claimed by God as his own. Can we say seal? meaning that it's his righteousness. This is connecting to the breastplate. Been predestined, having been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand, according to his call. You see, we have a purpose and a calling who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. Whose will? Not in what somebody says or what the enemy says or what social media says about your identity, but it is in God's righteousness, in what he said, you're sealed, you're righteous, so that we who were made first hope in Christ, meaning as we put our confidence in him as Lord and Savior, we bring praise and glory to him. And it says in him, in verse 13, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result, believe in him, you were stamped with the seal of promise. The Holy Spirit, one promise by Christ as his own and protected by God. See, that righteousness, that once you seal who you are in Christ, I am who I am because of what God has done. I was made in his identity. I identify myself in Christ. Well, what if I've sinned? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Bible says that those who place their faith in only in their belief. It's by faith if we believe in him, then we shall be saved. That has nothing to do with your works. Christ's work was done on a cross. I'm going to go on to the last scripture and to help you out with that. It says that in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, I'm going to start right here at verse 9. It says, do not be carried away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established and strengthened by grace, not by, by foods or rules or diet or ritual meals, which bring no benefit or spiritual growth to those who observe them. See, in order for you to understand your identity 
It's not in what you do, what you eat, and how and what you look like. Your identity has been sealed. It says, we have an altar from which those who serve this tabernacle, which is a sacred tent, have no right to eat. It's talking about for the bodies, which is previously the bodies of animals were sacrificed for the high priest for your sin. Remember, we were talking about what if you're a sinner? What if I did something wrong? How is it that I can be assured that I have a new identity? Well, it says in verse 13, therefore, Jesus also suffered, died outside the gate that he might sanctify, set apart for God, his holy people who believe through the shedding of his blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp, hearing his contempt, the disgrace and the shame that he had to suffer. In other words, we are completely sealed by the blood of Jesus. That means, as I end, your identification card has changed. When I first got my driver's license, I got it in Illinois. But when I got out of boot camp and I got stationed in Virginia, I had to change my driver's license to Virginia. My identity never changed. I changed states. When you become in Christ, your old nature gets changed, meaning that as Jesus Christ died in your baptism is an identification card that signifies I'm no longer a sinner, but now it's exchange. Now Christ is now my new driver's license, meaning just as that old person, old identity died, it's an exchange. And then there's a new ID card given saying that I'm in Christ as I was resurrected in the likeness of him. That means now that old nature no longer lives, but Christ is what lives inside of me. And that seals the peace based on that identity. My driver's license has been changed. I am designated as a Christ follower because of the Christ that lives inside of me. My identity is sealed. I want to shut this down, but I heard this story once was told, and I want to share this with, with someone who may be feeling like they're unworthy or feel like I'm suffering through an identity crisis like I was, feeling like that you have to prove yourself, prove your love, do things in order to feel love, feel accepted. Well, in Christ, he already accepts you. I heard it once told about this man that had two daughters. One 
was a little bit younger than the old one. The older one was a little homely. And the young one was seemed to be beautiful. Well, the man thought, well, and back in those days, before, in order for the man to marry one of the women, he had to pay an endowment. So the guy asked how much um, in order for to take this woman as his bride. And he give an exorbitant amount for the woman thinking that the youngest one, thinking that he would choose the youngest one. And he gave a certain amount for the older one. So he's thinking, hey, I'm going to maximize uh, what I'm going to get the worth from my daughters. To his surprise, the man chose the one that he thought he wouldn't choose. But he said, I'm willing to pay the same price. In turn, as the man go and visits a couple months later, this woman that seemed to have been homely at first, he sees how changed she was and how better looking. And she seems to be doing very, she's no longer homely. She's acting a different way. She's walking a different way. And the father asks, what changed? And the daughter says, when I discovered that the, he was willing to pay for me a high price, I started to act like that. You see, when you discover that Jesus paid a high price for you and you discovered that your true identity was sealed in purchasing Christ, you would discover you don't have to act like the enemy tells you to. I'm going to leave it right here. Father God, I just want to thank you that our identity has been sealed change and that our destination is secured in you. We no longer have to act like, be like, portray ourselves and dumb ourselves down to the world's standards, but we can fully walk into all that you've called us to be because it's in you that we're righteous. It's in you that we can do all things. It's in you. You've, we've been sealed and bought and paid at a high cost. The enemy may have tried to trick us and to believe that we're less than what we are. But just like the man, you were willing to pay the highest price possible for us. So now allow us to receive it and understand and to walk in our true identity, which is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't want to stop right here 
and just take it for granted that everyone that listens is always a Christian. If you are learning and want to grow as a kingdom disciple, as a man or woman, and want to know more, let's start with the first step. And let's make sure that you understand and accept and know who Jesus is. So you need to first understand and pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, I love you. And I accept you as Lord of my life from this day forward. I believe that you died for completely for all my sins. And now I'm turning my life fully over to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer of salvation for the first time, reach out to me. And I just want to put you on a prayer list. And I just want to help you to understand where you are and help you to grow in Christ. Have a wonderful day.